The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. You know, we get a lot of doublespeak when it comes to the past. Some tell us to forget about it. The past is over. It's done with. Just don't go there. Others tell us that the past is the key to the present. Which one is it? Or is it either? Most of us know that dwelling in the past is not very conducive to a happy life, but then we do it anyway. And most of us know that trying not to think about it is pretty useless too. So what are we to do with the past? Does it have any useful purpose? At this point, the the word lessons begins to be thrown about, carrying with it connotations of both punishment and reward with a little karma thrown in for good measure. But really, is that all there is? Well, today we're going to find out what what is the deal about the past. We're going to talk about the past and its typically buried treasures. So stay here for us, with us today. It's going to be an interesting discussion. So, the past, what does it contain? Well, for most of us, it contains some really sad things and some really happy things. Most of us have peak experiences um, in our lives, graduation from high school, um, becoming a cheerleader, becoming a football player, making good grades, or making a, a really good buddy, um, staying with that buddy and being friends with that person for a while, uh, graduating then from college eventually and, uh, or getting the job we want, um, being trained for some job that we want and really being enthusiastic about that. Those are some of the peak experiences that all of us exp- have on a sort of continuum of experiences. And then we have our everydays that are just kind of, you know, walking through the day, doing the things we do, going to work, going home, going to school, studying, hanging out with our friends, doing whatever it is that we do. And then, uh, and then we're waiting around in fear either for something bad to happen or we're living sort of halfway in the past. There's an old AA seven, uh, saying, which is ra- rather crude, but gets the point across. They say, if you got one foot in yesterday and one foot in tomorrow, you're pissing all over today. And, you know, there's a lot of truth to that. So what we want to talk about today is what it is that the past can bring us. Does it give us anything? Well, essentially what it gives us is a backdrop, a context uh, from which we operate. However, that does not mean it's the only possible context. And that is the rub. Because so many of us tend to think that whatever has happened will continue to happen. I work with lots and lots of clients and who very often will say to me, well, that's never happened to me before. Well, should I believe it's going to happen now? Well, you shouldn't. 
you shouldn't really believe that. You shouldn't believe anything because you should or shouldn't. But it's possible. Wouldn't it be nice to consider the possibility that maybe you could have a, a really healthy, dynamic relationship in which you're respected and your part, you respect your partner and there's some compatibility and that you guys really enjoy each other's company and there's some good sex and some good uh, financial backdrop. And yeah, wouldn't that be nice to consider the possibility of that? Well, no, that's pretty impossible because I've never had that. I've only had people who cheat on me and treat me bad or beat me or abuse me in some kind of way. Yeah, that's all I've ever known. So why should I believe that's going to happen? Okay, well, you can stay stuck there if you want to. That's your option. It's definitely one we can choose. Not one I want, but it definitely is an option. And you see, that's how our past kind of creeps up on us and blindfolds us to the intricate nuances of a today. And blindfolds us to the possibilities of tomorrow. So, you know, everybody says live in today, live in the now. Some people think that means that you're just supposed to go willy-nilly and do whatever you feel like doing. And if you want to punch somebody's lights out, well, boom, their lights are out. Or if you just want to go get married, well, yeah, let's go get married. Or if you want to, you know, get drunk tonight, well, that's what you should do. That's not what I mean when I say live in today. When I'm talking about living in today, I'm not talking about negating the past. Let's be real clear about that. I'm not talking about negating the past, nor am I talking about preparing always for the future or negating the possibility of a future and just sort of living willy-nilly. What I am saying is that we need to be present here now, and we very often are not because we're caught up in the past or the future. So we'll talk about the future another time. But for today, we want to talk about the past. And uh, what the past does for most, for most of us, to some degree or another, is it shames us and it blames us and it uh, fills us with uh, sometimes with regret, sometimes with sorrow, sometimes with anger, sometimes with bitterness. Um, depending on the degree of what we think has happened to us, we are filled up with a lot of stuff about the past. Well, I talk to people every day, and I'm sure you talk to people every day, who are having difficulty letting go of some past event. And sometimes they'll they'll go to one extreme or another. They'll say, oh, well, you know, I'm going to forget about that. This, you know, you just have to forget about that kind of stuff. You can't dwell in the past. You can't worry about what happened yesterday. You have to move on. You just can't think about that. And for those people, very often there is an absence of uh, the fullness that time and event can give us. There's an absence of that kind of wisdom that comes from living really present with a present, a present day event that eventually will become a past day event. Uh, so, so they weren't really there for the event, although it kicked them in the teeth. And they're not really going to be there for the thinking about the event so that it won't kick them in the teeth again. So they're likely to get kicked in the teeth again. Um, and unfortunately, that's how it works. Now, uh, we're going to talk about the word lessons in a minute, but I want to throw this in right here right now that the idea that you're supposed to be learning something from everything is one of those things that keeps us from being present. It always it keeps us with one, uh, really kind of headed toward the future in a way that doesn't allow us to be present. So I'm not talking really specifically about lessons here. I am talking about the alchemistry of evolution that occurs when 
the me that I think I am encounters an event, a person, place, or thing that impacts me, the me that I think I am, and shifts things around inside of me so that now I see life a little differently and I may even see myself a little differently. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about learning your lessons in life. Okay? And we'll talk some more about that lesson idea in just a few minutes again. So what when we're talking about the past... What we're generally talking about most of the time when we're talking about it is some event that we've repeated and repeated and repeated and repeated in our minds and in our discussions. And we've told lots of people about it or we've repeated it enough in our own heads to, to know it intricately inside and out. And that event either shamed us or blamed us or ridiculed us or rejected us or, uh, hurt us or harmed us or abused us or uh, created some trauma for us and that's the event that just keeps getting repeated like a chorus in a song not that it keeps happening necessarily but that we keep thinking about it and we have a hard time doing what we call letting go and we have a hard time accepting that that event happened that it was real that it has some potential use in our life and uh, so that's what, when we're talking about the past, it's generally about that. Every now and then you hear people talking about a happy memory or a fun memory. I have some of those myself and like to share those every now and then. So we all do that too. Um, uh, but, but when we're talking about it with the kind of passion that grabs hold of people, it's generally about something we can't forget, forgive, or accept. So what does that mean? That means we got one foot in the past. Now, I don't know where the other foot is, but we at least got one foot in the past because we're still in some form or fashion living from that event. We're still kind of uh, making the choices of our everyday, small little nuanced choices of our everyday based partly, at least, in that event. So I can't trust you to tell me the truth because my ex-husband lied to me over and over again. So you see how that impacts. I've now been alchemically shifted to a place where I I see life skewed along the lines of what my ex-husband or my ex-wife did to me. And therefore, it shifts the balance of what I, how I'm interacting in the world today. That's how those things can impact us. Whereas, if we can acknowledge, A, that just because one person didn't, did that doesn't mean everybody's going to do it. So that's, that's one of those things we have to really be conscious of. But B, the shift that took place there is not based in, in, um, acceptance and the, the evolution toward authenticity. But rather the evolution away from authenticity and toward more further identification with somebody else's stuff. So, okay, let's take a second and, and talk about what I mean by that. If you've been listening to the show for any length of time or you've read any of my books, you know that authenticity has to do with being, uh, being who you are as an essential self that deepest part of you, the roots of the tree, where the tree may blow in the wind, it may uh, branches may fall, lightning may strike it, people may carve their initials in it, people build tree houses in it, spit on it, 
you know, dogs may do their thing on it. And, you know, all kinds of things are happening to that tree above ground. But below ground, the roots are doing just fine. Thank you very much. And it's those roots that give the tree energy. That those roots, without those roots, the tree is dead. And with those roots, the tree has the choices and options available to it, what it's going to do with the sunlight, what it's going to do with the nutrients, how it's going to grow, etc., based upon its genetic components as well as its, um, its root system. So uh, that that is who we are authentically. We very often don't live out of who we are authentically, but we live out of a mask and costume that we donned as a kind of alchemical shift from way early in life that said, okay, I need to be this, not this, because if I'm this, then I'll be okay, and if I'm that, I might not be. So we put on a mask and costume, and it's usually not uh, a mask and costume that that is... Uh, relative to a job or a role or something like that because we're too small for that. It's a mask and costume that says, okay, I'll take the blame or it says, oh, I know what to do, I'll run away or it says, oh, I know what to do, I bully or it says, I know what to do, I'm Superwoman or Superman. Oh, I know what to do, I'm re- I am rescue. Those are the kinds of identities we put on. That's not who we are. But when we have lived into that identity, it seems that the events in our lives seem to go right along with that identity. Why? Because the alchemical shift has changed our perception of life and therefore we're living still in the past reacting today as if yesterday were still happening and that is how we very often live with the past as if it is our overlord and dominates how we perceive life today and it has to do with identity it has to do with our, our how much we open our hearts it has to do with whether or not we make eye contact with people it has to do with whether or not we'll stick our hands out and shake their hand it has to do with where we sit in a room it has to do with uh, whether or not we'll sweat when somebody who seems kind of scary walks in the room it has to do with all kinds of little subtle nuances that are all about today and yet Yesterday is ruling it. Why? Because we haven't yet said, you know, that stuff I was reacting to back then when I put on that mask and costume really belonged to somebody else. It wasn't my stuff. It wasn't even about me. It was just somebody else's stuff. And I was reacting to it. And and my reaction meant that I had to identify as somebody other than who I am. So that that's how the past very often will just take over a lifetime. And sometimes people live out of those masks and costumes for the entirety of their lives and never even have a clue that that's what they're doing. And it's sad to me when I, when I see that happening. But, you know, I also offer them the dignity to say, hey, this is your life. You get to do it any way you want to. And who am I to say? I mean, who am I to say really? So, uh, I can, I can totally give that over to a person. And yet, uh, when somebody comes to see me and says, well, let's look in, let's look at my life here and let's see how much ownership I really have over it. Now we're talking about how, now we're talking about the past very often. How much ownership do I have today over my life? Well, that's relative to how much ownership the authentic self has over my life today. So when we're talking about the past, we need to know that its impact isn't just, oh, I haven't forgiven Aunt Mary for the way she spoke to me, or how come she didn't give me a Christmas gift when I gave her one, or or how about Dad who abused me, or uh, or even sexually abused me, or how about, you know, Mom who was an alcoholic. I'm, I, I'm not over that yet. When we're talking about that, 
What we're saying is, I choose to let these people have my life. I choose to let these people have my life. That's what we're saying. And so that process is one in which we lose touch with not only who we are, but our life. Because who we are is one thing, our life is another thing. Who we are is the self, the authentic self. The life we create, either out of that or not out of that, is the is our life. So there are two, not separate, but very definitely connected, but but um, distinguishable um, things. So I want to refer to them that way. The life is not who you are. I am not my life. I am not therapist and radio host. That's not an author. That's not who I am. I am Andrea at a deep, essential place. And I'm not even sure that name applies to that deep, essential place. But... Uh, but if I live out of, you know, the things that just happened to me and the, or the things that happened to me in the past and reacting, I'm always reacting to those things, then I may have an argument with my, my husband or my wife today based upon a reaction that has nothing to do with what they said or did, but it sure does look like it to me because I'm still stuck in the past. So this is what, uh, this is what we say, this is our wound, you know, somebody triggered our woundedness and we react as if we're being wounded again. But really what they did was they just walked by and sort of brushed against an idea we have of ourselves and of life. And we felt it as if they were wounding us again. And we reacted to them as just in the same way we wish we had or could have reacted earlier or the way we did act or react earlier. So, again, the past is dominating the present. And in those ways, it keeps us from owning our lives. So I'm not really owning my present-day relationship. Uh, I'm, I'm acting as if my present-day relationship is the same relationship I had with my father or my mother or my sister or my brother. Um, and those ways of reacting uh, are keeping me from necessarily seeing, unless and until we reach that pl- place where we sort of hit rock bottom in some kind of way with that way of reacting. And then we get, we might, might just wake up and go, oh my God, look what I'm doing here. I'm doing the same old thing I always did, or I'm doing the same old thing Dad did, or I'm doing the same old thing in response to life that I've always done. And it's just not working. It never has. And why do I think it's going to work this time if it hasn't worked in the past? So that waking up process is one in which we we uh, slowly begin to, very often slowly, but sometimes very suddenly, begin to see that, um, yeah, we ha- we're in charge. We We're in charge. 100%, absolutely, totally, 100% in charge. Because uh, there's something that we call, in, in my field, we call it locus of control. Where is the locus of control in a life? <coughs> Excuse me, I've got a little allergy going here. Um, where is the locus of control in my life? Is it inside of me? Is it outside of me? Is it in the past? Is it in the future? Is it in the present? Where is my locus of control? In other words, what runs me what runs me is it fear generally speaking and is it fear based on some premise about something that happened in the past is it i've got to have that future that future i want i've got to have it got to have it got to have it because if i don't well that means something about me that means that i'm a failure or or that i haven't achieved uh bouncing off of my old family enough i haven't gotten far enough away from them maybe they were in poverty and i have to be rich i have to be rich i have to be rich because if i'm not that means that i'm still back there that means back there 
is still running me. And that's what we haven't really stopped to consider, that the past can run us. It literally can run us every day, moment by moment, in little nuanced interactions, nonverbal, verbal interactions that we have with people and with big fights we have with people and with, you know, how we how we were walking down the street even. So that's the first thing we need to know is that the past can take over a lifetime. And it's not supposed to do that. That's that's an imbalanced life. So we want to talk today about what the past can do. And we're going to talk about that and a few other things after we come back from the break. So stay tuned for more. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. There's a course offered on 7th Wave Network that you never saw offered in college. One that provides information on how to transform ancient wisdom teachings into everyday life. You'll learn how to create from your spirit and explore the world with all of your senses. Participation is encouraged. Enroll in Spirituality 101, the course you can't afford to miss with your host, Reverend Norma. Class is in session every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time, in your favorite classroom, 7th Wave Network. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free. 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And the Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. You may wonder what the terms holistic theology mean. Well, theology is the study of the divine, and holistic theology is a holistic study of the divine that includes all religions and even transcends religions 
religion to get to the mystical core of them all. The American Institute of Holistic Theology offers doctorate, master's, and ministerial bachelor's degrees, chaplaincy programs with internship, NBCC-approved continuing education, and a brand-new Ph.D. program in holistic theology. AIHT's programs include degrees in the following holistic theology, offering as terminal degrees both a Ph.D. and a Ph.D., holistic ministries, holistic health and spiritual care, metaphysical spirituality, and alternate spiritual traditions, which includes in-depth studies in the paranormal. Using a home study model for distance learning, the student of AIHT gets a thorough education in the field that fulfills and offers a chance to authenticate a unique gift for the world. This is not just another spiritual diploma mill. AIHT is a real educational program where you'll get a real learning experience in a broad spectrum of educational endeavors utilizing as your text writing teachers spiritual experts from all over the world. For those interested in enrolling, there's a small down payment of $250, and then you pay only $150 a month interest-free toward manifesting your dream. And right now, AIHT is running a special program in which if you email in before July 1st, you can get a free course. Just email Beverly Love at AIHT.edu and put win a free course in the subject line. If your letter is drawn, you'll win a free course in which you can try out the education you receive at AIHT. The big deal is that facilitating your dream is AIHT's mission. All you have to do to enroll is either go to www.aiht.edu or contact Admissions Director Beverly Love at 800-650-4325. Again, if you'd like to enroll right now, pick up the phone and call 800-650-4325 to learn how to fulfill your deepest longings for a fulfilling career serving others using your own unique gift. So today we've been talking about the past and what it has to do with the present. And what we said essentially <clears throat> excuse me, in the first section of our show was that the past can run us. It can literally run us. So what are we supposed to do about that? Well, <clears throat> the first step is to recognize that it is actually doing that, to be able to see that, in fact, the past is having much more power over us than it should have. Because if the present isn't our predominant focus, then there's an imbalance already. That's what we need to know. If the present isn't our predominant focus, then there's an imbalance already. The future, we, uh, you know, people ask when I when I say we need to live in today. People very frequently ask, "Well, what does that mean? Am I just supposed to not plan anything?" Of course, it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean you don't plan. What it does mean is that you're not so much in the plan and so much in into I've got to have what I think I want right now that we're you're not in the present. And the same is true for the past. The past should have a voice, and it should have something unique and beautiful to give you. But uh, it should not dominate your life. It should not control your actions and your reactions and your faith and your lack of faith and your uh, hope and your lack of hope. It should not be in charge of all that. You should be in charge of all that. And so the more power that you give to the past the less power there is in the present. And that's exactly how it works. It seems very simple to say it that way, but it works exactly that way. So here, let's give an example. Let's say I was abused as a child, 
and let's say that I have just refused to let go of that abuse and, and it is, um, I make a lot of decisions out of the fear of what other people are going to do to me or out of anger and rage about what did get done to me. And I am, uh, I, I think that the past, my childhood in fact, has the power to damage me. So that I'm damaged goods now and, uh, in some way that's just how it is and there's just not much I can do about it. Um, there, there are so many people on this planet who are living just that way out of the idea that whatever happened in the past, well, it's just already done its damage and there's nothing you can do about it and you're just stuck with it. So you're just, you know, basically screwed up based upon your childhood or whatever and that's how it's going to be. I have people come to see me all the time to say, yeah, I'm pretty screwed up. And uh, they use other expletives as well. But it, the point is that they're saying, look, they're diagnosing themselves before I ever get a chance to. That says, here, I'm, I'm really damaged. I'm really in bad shape because look at all these terrible things that happened to me in the past. What about today? Where are you today? What are you doing today? And very often what we find when we look at that is that they're doing a lot of good stuff today. They're running a career. They're man- managing to raise children. They've got a relationship that's working to some degree or another. And they are uh, have done a lot of things that they're kind of proud of. It's all right. So they made some choices. But then they say, well, yeah, but that's just part of me. You know, that's, yeah, it's the, uh, this other thing that happened in my past. That's just, I can't seem to get uh, my life in order because the past has messed me up. So what's happening there is... They've identified with the past. They've said the past is uh, who I am. I'm, I am my past. And that way of thinking keeps us stuck right where we're at. Okay, so um, I also see that very often when, when uh, a person has been abused or something bad has happened in the past that they can't let go of and they can't um, accept the other person for what where they were, what they were at that particular time, then... They are, um, they are identified with a kind of, uh, persona, mask and costume that says, um, I can't be anything but this. Don't expect more of me. And they look in the mirror as they say that. They look in the mirror and they look in their own eyes and they say, don't expect any more of your life than what you've already had. What a sad thing to say. Now, I don't know they're saying that, but they are. And very often, they're saying that to other people as well. And so other people treat them accordingly, and they don't, they wonder why. Well, they treat them as they see they need to be treated. You know, one of the things that you hear quite frequently from uh, Dr. Phil is that you teach other people how to treat you. And uh, I agree with that, that one statement that he makes that, that we do teach other people how to treat us. And we're teaching other people that we are our past and that they should treat us accordingly. And so we get involved with people who will treat us as those people in the past treated us. And we wonder how that keeps happening. So, okay. Now, what do we do to begin to process past that? Well, first of all, we don't want to just junk the past. We don't want to say, well, that happened, it's over, get over it, you know, move on. Because all we're doing when we do that is we're pressing a lot of emotions. We do need to feel our emotions about the past. We do need to recognize that the things that happened were were not necessarily uh, meant for our good. Um, I think about the the story in the Bible, and whether you believe the Bible or not, it's immaterial, it's it's just a story, um, of Joseph who 
was who was threatening his brothers or it seemed that they were threatened by his behavior because what he did was he had a couple of dreams when he was young and those dreams seemed to indicate that at some point in the future um, his brothers were going to bow down to him and his brothers didn't like hearing that so when they went off on a trip they uh, uh, put him in a beat him up and threw him in a well and left him and um, so they went back to their father and told him that that Joseph had been killed they didn't tell him that they had done it they just told him that he'd been killed and uh, what happened instead was that the people came some people came by and Joseph called out to them and the, uh, they were Egyptians and they took him off to Egypt and he lived in Egypt for a while and he had some bad things happen there and some good things happen there and what happened ultimately was that he interpreted the king's dream and the king promoted him up to be uh, a leader in the country where he was going to be in charge of distribution of food and, and supplies to people in the country and making sure that happened correctly. And there was a big famine eventually one day and uh, one year, a couple of years, and um, Joseph, I think it was seven years to be exact, and uh, Joseph had interpreted the dream that was telling that this famine was coming to the king. And um, so it, the lands all around Egypt also had the same famine, and the Joseph's brothers came to Egypt to get food and they met him there and they did not recognize him but he recognized them and uh, one of the things he said and there was a, there's more to the story in that eventually what happens is that he reveals himself to them and um, calls it for what it is says what you this is what you did to me I recognize it but I forgive you and uh, because what he says is you meant it for for harm but God meant it for good. And that's a way of looking at our past. Now, whether you believe in God or not, is in, again, is not important here. What's important is that we can begin to say, okay, well, maybe somebody else meant that for bad for me. Or maybe they were just so unconscious that they didn't necessarily mean it for bad, but they didn't definitely didn't mean it for good either. They just were careless and neglectful and they weren't, attuned to what I needed and, and harmed me in the process. Um, either way, that's what they intended. It's not what I intend. It's not what the authentic self of me intends. So let's see if I can come up with some new intentions for me and uh, some things that I want to happen. And let me see if I can reparent myself or resibling myself or renegotiate my life along the lines of my own intentions. And uh, that means to get into the present. Okay? Does that mean I stopped having feelings about the past? No. Does that mean that there won't be some acute sorrow at times about the past? No. What it does mean, however, is that from that sorrow, I can find compassion for myself. And in the process of finding compassion for myself, I have begun to say, okay, that really hurt. That really hurt. And so what I'm going to do is I'm not going to repeat on myself what they did. So, again, let's say I was abused. And um, I grow up and I uh, meet partners who will abuse me. And I can't figure out how that keeps happening. And the reason it keeps happening is because I'm not paying attention to the signals that are going off right in front of my face. Um, I'm paying attention instead to a kind of naivete that says, well, this time it'll work out. This time it'll work out. My, my father or my mother, whoever abused me, and, and I'm falling in love with people who look 
walk, talk, act, quack, just like them. But I'm thinking this time it'll work out because this time, um, it, it, this time will be the magical time when, when daddy or mom or whoever finally turns around and says, I love you so much and I'm so sorry I hurt you and let's go off into the sunset together. And so what I'm doing is projecting onto my, my present, my past. I'm making my present about my past because I'm not choosing. I'm not paying attention to the red flags that are waving in my face. I'm just choosing the same thing over and over again. And what I can do then is to say, you know what? Maybe my mother and my father weren't good parents. And maybe they didn't really know how to love. Maybe they weren't even mature enough to know how to love. Maybe they were so screwed up in their own heads and so stuck in their own past that they didn't get me at all and didn't recognize what who I was or what I needed or any of that. Okay, that's what they did. But does that mean I have to keep doing it to myself since they did it? Do I have to keep doing it to myself? Let me see if I can parent myself better. So now I meet Mr. Wrong or Miss Wrong again in somewhere, and I say, you know what? You're Mr. Wrong, Miss Wrong. I'm not going to go there this time. And I begin to say no to what needs to be said no to. And then I make room to be able to say yes to what needs to be said yes to. Because in the past, I've been so stuck in that naive bargaining place that I haven't seen that all around me are other people that aren't like that. And I haven't even noticed them. I haven't even noticed them because I've been so busy with thinking that everybody was like that. So I've shut off the possibility of, of good, healthy relationships while I've invested myself in the relationships that are just like mom or dad. And that process is one in which uh, I'll continue to do the same old thing, looking for different results, which, as we know, is the definition of insanity. Whereas when I begin to say, you know, that's not good for me. I'm not going to do that. Or, you know, I'm really tired tonight. I need to go to bed. I'm just going to go to bed. That's me parenting myself in a way that my parents didn't. Every time I say no to what needs to be said no to, I open up room to say yes to what needs to be said yes to. And then... I open up the possibility that I can really have a relationship with somebody who really loves me, who cares about me. But I gotta do the work. I can't sit around and wait for the past to change. I gotta do the work. So that's how we can start the process of beginning to get past the past. It doesn't mean that we just forget about it. It doesn't mean that we pretend it didn't happen. It doesn't mean that we get tough and strong and stoic and just go, oh well, that's just, you know, tough, you know, Pass because we'll end up unconsciously repeating the same stuff. What it does mean is we look at how it feels. And when we look at how it feels, we develop compassion for ourselves. So many people call that self-pity. And I can tell you that there is a time when when self-compassion uh, can turn into self-pity. And that's when we just use it as an opportunity to manipulate other people or we use it as an opportunity to stay stuck in an old life or we use it as a, as a weapon against ourselves. Those are the ways that compassion can uh, morph into self-pity. But most of the time, when we're crying for ourselves, it's not self-pity at all. It's compassion for ourselves. And we don't see it that way because somebody along the way in our past taught us that when you start feeling anything for yourself, you're you're on your pity pot and you just need to get off it. And so... We try not to feel anything for ourselves, and in the process, we lose touch with ourselves, and that process keeps us stuck in the past. 
Because when we're not in touch with ourselves, we are in touch with some role, mask, and costume that we put on in the past to survive. So that's a beginning. We'll talk some more about how we can start living in the present when we get back from the break. Stay tuned for more right after this. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Ask Theo Live is talk radio like you've never heard before. Following her near-death experience, world-renowned author and spiritual medium Sheila Gillette became the direct voice channel for Theo, a consortium of 12 archangels. Through this unique channel, Sheila and her co-host Marcus Gillette present you with an opportunity to speak directly with Theo live on air on any topic you wish to discuss, including receiving authentic messages from deceased loved ones and angelic guides. Get the answer you need by tuning in to Ask Theo Live Talk Radio. Tuesday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Many of us make choices in our lives based on how others react. But what should really matter is making our life choices based on what we intuitively feel. By tuning in to The Mystic and the Mystery with Inspired Intuition hosts Beth Porozhik and Christine McIver, you'll receive the tools and inspiration you need to do just that. Your fears do not have to drive you, and you are naturally intuitive, creative, and whole. By believing in yourself, you can live the life you've been longing for. Listen for The Mystic and the Mystery every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Being Here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss Being Here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane, right here on the 7th Wave Network. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We're back talking today about the past and the purpose of it. So we're going to finally get to the purpose of the past uh, now in this segment. We talked in the first segment about how it is that the past can run our lives. And in the second segment, we talked about how we could begin the process of putting the past in the past where it belongs and beginning to live in the present. Um, and now what I want to talk a little bit about is where are the treasures that the past has to give us? Well, sometimes our past is so blurred and so skewed along the lines of some hurt that we've had or maybe several hurts that we've had that we don't recognize the beauty in it 
even the good things that have happened. So many times we look back at our past and we go, well, this is all that ever happened in my childhood or my past or my marriage or my whatever. And we say, oh, it was all bad. And we sort of black and white that thing. But when we can get to the place where we can receive um, our own self-love and our own self-compassion and sort of walk through that process, loving ourselves into renegotiating our present, then what we do is we we begin to all of a sudden see the past differently. It's a really amazing alchemical shift that takes place there that says, oh, oh, yeah, I remember all those times we we played games in the front yard or had tomato fights in the backyard or all those times I climbed trees or or all those times when, when um, we uh, stayed up late at night and got up under the covers and told stories to each other or all of those things that I'd forgotten all about because... I was so busy thinking about how bad it was. So that that self-compassion is a very, very important stage. It can make that alchemical shift. But beyond that, we need to talk about the F word, forgiveness. Um, and here, I want to be really, really careful with that word because I, I it is fraught with all kinds of uh, dilemmas for most of us. Uh, most of us think in, that forgiveness means that the person is somehow absolved from what they did. <clears throat> so if uh, a father sexually abuses his daughter or his son, then if the son forgives the father, well, that means the father doesn't ever have to even think about it anymore. He's been absolved and he's that's over and he doesn't have to think about that anymore, Which in which case it's much more likely that he'll go do it again to somebody else. Um, we don't want to absolve people, and that's not what forgiveness is all about. And and I even don't even like to use the word forgiveness because I think it is so fraught with so many connotations of duty and obligation. And you should you should forgive people because if you don't forgive people, then you'll never get forgiven, and all that stuff that goes with what I call the F word, which is forgiveness. Um, I think we need to change the word to acceptance because. That's more realistic because here's the deal. When somebody acts out in a way that's against you or harmful to you or hurtful to you or um, neglectful of you or just uh, totally insensitive to their own surroundings enough to even know that you're present, when that happens, that that is all about them. The reason we get so hurt is twofold one we love these people and we wish they wouldn't hurt us we want them to love us we love them and we want them to love us two we identify with what they've done we make it about us and it really isn't about us it's about them do we wish they would be more loving absolutely and that's the grief that's the where the grief really comes in and we can actually say okay you know, I'm really sad for myself that I had to experience that in my life. And that grief brings us, as the stages of grief do, brings us ultimately to acceptance in which we can say, yeah, you know what, they did that. And it was really painful. It was really hurtful. And I wished at the time that it hadn't happened, that I wished they wouldn't do that. I wanted them to turn and just love me the way I loved them. I wouldn't do that, but they did it, and and I see that they did it, but I also see that 
I didn't do it. That I didn't, I don't have to identify with what they did. I don't have to say that means something about me. I don't have to say that because they were abusive or neglectful or, or shaming or, or, uh, hurtful in some kind of way. I, I don't have to say that that was because I'm something. They didn't do that because I'm something. They did that because they're something. And that's where we get to with acceptance. That people do what they do because they're blind, deaf, and dumb to what they're doing. They don't, and that's not an excuse. I want to be real clear about that. That's not an excuse. They are living out of their roles. So let's say dad was an abusive man. Let's just make it dad for the heck of it. Let's say dad was an abusive man. He was physically abusive. He yelled all the time. He drank too much. He was, that's, that was my dad. That, let's say that was true. It wasn't my dad, but let's say it was true. And, and he, and because of that, I believe that somehow I'm bad because of that. He, he was acting that way and I, it's, it's impacted me to the point that I can't seem to get on with my life. Well, what's happened there is that I've begun to say, I am somehow my father's actions and I am not. And I've connected those dots and they don't belong together. Okay, so we stay stuck right there and we live that out for sometimes centuries and we don't have to keep doing that. We can move to acceptance where we say, okay, he did that. He did that of his own stuff and I wish he hadn't done it and I sure didn't like him when he was doing it and I sure don't like being around him now because he's still doing it. And so I'm going to create some boundaries for myself and I'm not going to be around him and, and if I see anybody else being like that, I'm not going to be around them either. What I am going to do is try to create a path for myself where I'm surrounded by people who are kind and appreciate me and see me, know that I'm here, know that I'm real, know that I have feelings, know that I have desires and wants and a pathway all my own. That's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. So now, now, because I had to go through that process, I run deeper. My river runs deeper. I understand things at a whole other level. I'm shifted alchemically to a new place. There's a deeper, more spiritual, more profound place. And it really can work just that way. Just by the fact that I have met, I've been compassionate for myself and I've acted on that compassion, things run deeper inside me. I'm changed. There is the buried treasure. Buried treasure can also happen when I say, when I recognize that I'm angry at so-and-so for doing such and such, you know, when really they were helping me get out of something I needed to get out of by being so crude or cruel or whatever. Perhaps I've got this horrible boss that was just mean and um, inappropriate and who knows what else. He was just horrible. But because of that, I left that job and went and got another one that not only has better personnel in it or people that know how to treat me better but it also fulfills me on a higher level that's a buried treasure that we don't get if we don't process through the past begin to have compassion for ourselves begin to act on that compassion as if we matter and begin to renegotiate our present day realities based upon that so that that whole process is one that shifts us again we got shifted we, we came here whole 
And somebody said, no, don't be whole, be half, because that's what I need from you. Let me show you who you really ought to be. And and we acted accordingly, and we let that become us. And then we lived that out for years. And then one day we said, you know what? I'm going to start taking care of myself. And in that process, we shift, we change, we grow. And and it's not about learning your lessons. It's not about, well, now you better learn your lesson there, kiddo, or that's going to happen to you again because bad karma is going to get you. No, that's not what it's about. It's really about uh, that that alchemical shift, that gentle shift where you can look back after you've been through that process and go, you know, I'm different than I was before that process. I'm not the same person. Things I respond to life differently now. I respond to life from a whole new place, deeper inside of me. It's richer, more profound, more graceful, and has more of me in it. I respond to life that way. And and that shift, it's, it feels a little bit magical because it it takes place as a result of we didn't push it and make it and build it and, you know, put nails in it and make it hang up there, right? We didn't do that. It just happened as a result of our willingness to go inside and feel compassion for ourselves, to start making choices about our present day existence that is relative to that compassion we now have for ourselves and to live out those choices in some very effective ways that make us happier and more fulfilled. That shift is what the past can give us. And so we can say at some point, I'm very grateful that those things happened to me. Even though they were horrible at the time, I look back now on my past and I'm very grateful that they happened because look who I am today because of that. I wonder if I'd even have the life I have today or even be the person I am today if I hadn't been through those things. When you get to that point, you've arrived. You've got the buried treasure. It belongs to you and nobody will ever take it away from you again. It's yours. So what happens in that opening is that we open to life in a whole new way. So now my my vision is no longer skewed along the lines of my past. Now I can see possibilities that I never saw before because I was so busy looking through the lenses of my past. And now I can uh, work with people on a whole other level because I'm not that other person that I was reacting to my past, I'm this whole other person who has compassion for herself and wants to take really good care of herself or himself, as the case may be. And that person uh, can take bigger, better responsibility for life because there's more room inside of her or him to take that responsibility. And by responsibility, I don't mean odious duty and heinous obligation. What I mean is uh, I sense that I can respond to life according to my deepest essential ability as an authentic being. I can respond. I have the ability to respond to life according to my deepest self. And so now I'm able, I am enabled now to spring from a new place, to come from my roots instead of from the hatchet mark in the side of my bark. I can come from my roots instead of from the way that I turn to reach the sun. I can come from my roots instead of from that burn where the lightning struck me. I can come from my roots instead of from you. I can come from me. That's what the past can give us. And without that past 
who knows that we wouldn't get there? Who knows if we'd ever get there? If without that particular set of circumstances, would we have gotten to where we are today? I don't know. I can't answer that question because that's not what happened. What happened is that particular set of circumstances. And that's what I'm, that's, you know, people say, deal with the hand you're dealt. Well, that sort of makes it into a game and that's very reductionist. But uh, it is, there is a kind of, okay, this is what I got. These are the parents I got. These are the siblings I got. This is the financial situation I got. This is what I got. Huh. Wonder what I can do with that. And that's not an intellectual kind of study of what we can do with that, but more, like I said, of that deep alchemical shift that goes, okay, there it is. That's, that's, there it is. Now I felt the compassion for myself for a while and I really can see that's really what happened. That's really what was going on. It's real. I see it. But now what can I do with that? What can I create from that? There's your buried treasure. So that's the purpose of the past. And I hope that each one of you can dig under the ground you stand on and find that buried treasure because I promise you it's there. And next week, we have a wonderful uh, guest coming on board, Thomas Moore. He's been here a couple times before. He's the author of The Care of the Soul, and he's written a new book that will be coming out next year. It's called A Religion of Your Own, and I'm real excited about this interview and looking forward to talking with Thomas Moore next week. You don't want to miss it, so be here for that next Wednesday, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. Till then, remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.